0: DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation, presents the School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization, with Father Scott Trainer. Father Trainer serves as the rector of St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. He has been an instructor and spiritual director for many of the programs at the Institute for Priestly Formation. He is a retreat master and spiritual director who has traveled the country as a speaker for various conferences, diocesan gatherings, and national conferences. He is the author of The Parish as a School of Prayer, Foundation for the New Evangelization, on which this series is based. The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Traynor. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Scott, thanks again for joining me.
1: It's such a pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me.
0: In our discussions on prayer, we've entered into that communion of relationship and the great love that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit share and have invited us into. Mm. In that sharing, there can be opportunities for us to give joy, and goodness, and praise, and glory. But then there's also an aspect of us that experiences suffering, fear, those things that are part of who we are as humans. Yeah. And grappling with those areas, the darker areas of our nature, those are kind of things we want to keep away from God sometimes, I think.
1: Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think just... Uh, just as a first take it's so important for us to ask the grace uh, to really believe in God's unconditional love for us god doesn't just love the things in our life that are all squared away and in you know like just all right you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: he has revealed in jesus his willingness to come to be with us with his love in the midst of the mess god loves us in the midst of our messes and his love is the only force in the universe that can actually unmess our messes, right? I, if if I'm thinking in relationship with God like, oh, you know, I can really get serious with God once I take care of this thing in my life. I'll never have a relationship with God. It'll never grow because I can't make that change. I can't save myself. I can't bring about my own conversion, right? Mm-hmm. It's the love of God that transforms and renews and converts me. So I want to ask, the thing to do is to ask the love of God into everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And even in those painful moments in our lives, broken relationships, uh, moments of real woundedness in our life, where we are afraid and hurt and insecure and all the rest of suffering that's painfully familiar to every person in their life in their own ways. This is where the love of God is aimed. One of my favorite um, definitions of mercy is love poured out on misery. So I think of the chaplet of Divine Mercy. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. God, pour the infinite ocean of your love into every suffering, physical suffering, emotional suffering, psychological suffering, spiritual suffering, relational suffering, societal suffering, every brokenness, God, a tsunami of your divine love, pour it out into every form of misery so that it can be transformed. So that it can be transformed by the power of your love. So the church is a great... Proclaimer, a prophet of the mercy of God to the world. Where there's brokenness, and we see it in every corner of human activity and society, the love of God conquers overwhelmingly in the face of these miseries if we will only entrust them to that love. Because God won't impose his goodness on anyone because love of his nature is freely given and must be freely received, or it's not love. So here's St. Paul in Philippians chapter four. And I, I think this passage is actually a great school of prayer just in itself. He says, starting in verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. I'll just stop there for a second. Is St. Paul like living in Smurf Village, you know? <laughs> is that really possible? Like St. Paul, come on, mm-hmm. let's get real, right? Come on, let's be real here. In Rejoice in the Lord always. And I think that's why he repeats himself. It's almost like Jesus in the gospel when he starts laying down the amen, amen, I say to you, right? Mm -hmm. You always want to like, wait a second. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll just say it again. Rejoice. This is the same St. Paul who in 2 Corinthians. Let's see if I can find it really quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says this. I have far greater labors, far more imprisonments, far worse beatings, and numerous brushes with death. Five times at the hands of the Jews, I received 40 lashes minus one. Think of that. Think we've watched Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, Mm -hmm. the scourging, the 40 lashes. Five times at the hands of the Jews, I received 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I passed a night and a day on the deep. On frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own race, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, through hunger and thirst, through frequent fastings, through cold and exposure. La, 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 la. Like, <laughs> this is not a Pollyanna guy. Like, St. Paul is familiar with suffering. The St. Paul who can say, apart from these things, there is the daily pressure upon me for my anxiety for all the churches. St. Paul knows suffering. The same St. Paul who's endured all of this suffering in his generous response to the mission given to him by God is the same St. Paul who says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. This should really get our attention. So let's go back to Philippians 4. Because St. Paul is going to show us, how in the world can I enter into that? So when my child is suffering, uh, when my child is estranged from the family, when my spouse is diagnosed with cancer, when I've been betrayed, when I've been attacked, whatever calamity is coming to life, is it really possible to rejoice? St. Paul is calling us to it, and he knows what he's talking about. So he's going to give us, how can I enter into that? To the experience of the love of God, which conquers overwhelmingly in the face of all adversities. The mercy, which is poured out, which is love poured out on misery and transfigures that misery and gives us cause for rejoicing. So here's what he says. First of all, your kindness should be known to all. Hmm. The Lord is near. There's the foundation. The Lord is near. When we are suffering in our lives, when we have difficulties in our lives, God does not remain aloof. It's not a sign that God has left us, which is an easy thing for us to think and conclude. I've angered God or God has just turned his back on me and I'm, I'm just in this on my own. Again, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Jesus has entered into every human suffering. He, the Lord, is near to us in our suffering. That's why praying the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary is so fruitful. Mm -hmm. Here is Jesus meditating on his suffering, which are just signposts to us that he's willingly entered into every suffering. You know, all suffering is a result of the fall of the reality of sin. Now, we don't say, you know, This person is suffering this because of that sin. Jesus cleared that up for the apostles in regards to the question about a man born blind. Um, But all suffering, God never intended suffering to be a part of the experience of creation or of our human lives. It all came into the world because of sin, the mystery of sin. But God's response in the face of sin and all the suffering that comes from it, is to enter in. And he who knew no sin, scripture says of Jesus, became sin for us. It means Jesus took to himself freely, out of love, for the sake of overcoming the misery, all the effects of sin on the cross. Not just what we see in the Sorrowful Mysteries even, his scourging, and the nailing, the physical suffering, or even the relational suffering of being betrayed and abandoned. Jesus took on the whole weight of every misery that ever resulted from any sin. And it was nailed to the cross. And then, when he cries out to the Father, by whom he feels abandoned, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? In the next breath, Jesus cries out to the Father and says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And Chris, in that moment, Jesus is either a chump, like the biggest chump in history, You've been abandoned by your Heavenly Father, and yet you're going to entrust yourself to him with your dying breath? Look at you. Look what you're suffering. So he's either a chump or he is the beloved son. And Jesus, into your hands, Father, I commend my spirit, that loving entrustment of all that he suffered, of all the suffering of humanity that he took upon himself, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit, that faith-filled entrustment is vindicated in the glory of the resurrection. The Father's love is greater than all sin, all suffering that results from all sin, which Jesus took to himself. It is conquered by the infinite love of the Father, and that is revealed to us in the glory of the resurrection. It makes a difference that Jesus is risen from the dead. Amen? Amen. And so what does that look like in my life when I'm suffering? Jesus stands as witness that the Father's love is greater than the suffering that you, you are going through. And this is the good news of the gospel. How can I enter into that, St. Paul? Have no anxiety at all. Like, we worry when we suffer, or when people who are dear to us are suffering. We can just worry. Worry, we're anxiety. But the Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all. But rather, in everything, by prayer and petition, together with thanksgiving, Make your request known to God. Now I want to just break down that three-fold advice. By prayer and petition, together with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Here, prayer means telling God all about it. So we talked about that in an earlier conversation. But an important part of prayer is knowing what's in my heart and choosing to tell God all about it. We can easily count ourselves out from relating honestly what's in our heart to God. Because we think it's not right. You know, like what's in my heart is difficult or wrong or I'm embarrassed by it. I'm ashamed of it. Or it's just not pretty and pious enough to offer to God. It's a mess. That's all right. God wants to hear all about it. Tell me all about it. That's the motive of love. I want to hear it. Yes, I, and God knows us. And that's the way we can count ourselves out. Oh, God already knows. Right. But in scripture, like here's the blind Bartimaeus standing for Jesus. Jesus looks at him and says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, come on, Jesus. That's a loving invitation. We can talk more about that later. But God, tell him all about it. So this is what St. Paul means here by prayer. Tell God all about what you're going through. Tell him about the suffering. Tell him about the burden. Tell him about the difficulty. And then in petition, make your request known to God. So we're familiar with petition, asking God for the good things that we need. And again, here, sometimes we think that's selfish if I'm asking good things from God. But Jesus, when he taught us how to pray, gave us the Our Father. And those are seven petitions, asking good, God, good things from God for ourselves. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, you know, and all the rest, the seven petitions of the Our Father. So make your request known to God. Exercise your desire. What are you asking of God in the face of this difficulty or burden? But to do so together with thanksgiving. This is what first caught my attention in this passage years ago. Because we know, while this is advice for praying and rejoicing when things are great and when things are awful and everything in between, it's especially helpful and challenging when things are really tough. And that Thanksgiving, how can I thank God? You know, my mom was just diagnosed with cancer. I just found out last week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And how can I? I? I understand the petition. I can understand telling God all about that and the relief that comes from that. But to do so with thanksgiving? God, thank you in the face of my mom's cancer? How does that go? And St. Paul knows that that's a challenge. So I want to reflect on that. Why does that thanksgiving need to accompany my telling God all about it and my asking for the good things that my heart desires? And here it is. So first of all, he gives us a help. How can I have that thanksgiving in the midst of real suffering? He says, brothers, this is in verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, and then the God of peace will be with you. So if by prayer and petition together with thanksgiving, we make our request known to God, St. Paul says, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a good outcome. The God of peace with, will be with me. That lived experience, that's an amazing outcome, especially in the midst of trial. And so this these are helps to jumpstart the engine of Thanksgiving. And I think of that children's story, the little engine that could. Mm-hmm. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> I think I can, right? saint paul knows that especially in times of suffering to take the energy to like pay attention to what that suffering is and then to turn to god and tell him all about it and actually to muster the energy and the faith to ask for god's blessing or grace in the midst of it that's tough to come by especially in suffering it's hard and so the only way we find that energy is from a heart of gratitude And so St. Paul, listen to what he's saying. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious. If there any excellence? Is there anything worthy of praise? Think about these things. And this is not just the power of positive thinking. Like, oh, you know, look on the bright side of life. It'll be all right. (laughs) Like, no, that's way too weak. Mm -hmm. But St. Paul knows that whatever suffering I'm going through, if I back up and I search my whole life, you know, like here's this terrible news with my mom. It is Breaking my heart, but if I pull back and not turning my back and ignoring that, but I look around the rest of my total life circumstance and the situation of the world, there are a lot of things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and gracious and excellent and worthy of praise. And Saint Paul's like, fix your attention on those things, because when I experience those things, they are all echoes of Jesus. Jesus is all of those things perfectly and infinitely. And so when I recognize their expression in my life, so the graciousness of people's compassion when they hear the news about my mom, like so gracious, so compassionate, and um, people's generosity, so worthy of praise. When I start looking at those things, I recognize, oh, Jesus, you are here. You are near I'm not alone in this suffering. You are with me. And actually, you are manifesting, you are incarnating your goodness and your loveliness and your graciousness through these concrete expressions and blessings. And I want to fix my attention on those things. And when I do, gratitude starts to stir in my heart. I'm thankful to God for these things. These are all gifts. I don't deserve any of it. I haven't earned any of it. Free gifts, expressions of love. And gratitude starts to stir. And it's gratitude rooted that, God, you are gifting me with these things. And so then I have the energy to turn back to the cause of the suffering or difficulty and really see it for what it is and with trust turn to God. God, you've been so good to me in all these other ways. I can more easily now trust that you will be good to me in this situation that I'm facing now. And so with prayer and petition Together with this Thanksgiving, the engine that's driving the boat there, giving me the energy to look at my situation, tell God all about it, and ask for the good things that I need with greater assurance, I can do that. And then guess what? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Notice that the gift of peace that is the fruit of entering into this little school of prayer where St. Paul knows what he's talking about, even in the face of suffering. It has this result, the peace of God. The peace of God is not like that one moment in life where all the stars line up just perfectly and there's no difficulties. Again, that's way too small, that's way too weak, that's way too rare. Rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. And this peace is an active agency of God's love defending my heart and mind against the enemy Who wants to drive a wedge between me and God, especially through suffering, which is the result of sin. He wants to undermine my confidence in God's love, that God's love is unconditional and that it is victorious in the face of every suffering. The peace of God guards, it's again a gift of his love, guards me against those attacks of the enemy, guards me in faith against those fiery darts of the enemy that would try to drive that wedge between me and God whose love conquers overwhelmingly in the face of all of this. So this is, it's worthwhile spending time there in Philippians 4, 4 to 9. Simple little verses, but packed with real wisdom of receiving the gift of God's presence with us, even in the midst of suffering, and to live a life of greater joy, also even in the face of suffering, to truly be set free, to be able to rejoice and rejoice always in the Lord
0: in closing this particular segment what would you have that seeking heart that person in the school of prayer what, your student, what would you have them do
1: hmm. well, uh, I love that litany in the last part of that passage in Philippians it's always fruitful to go back and just take that litany and say "Okay, what is lovely in my life today or in memories that are stirred in my heart as I take this moment to pray Just take the Holy Spirit of God, draw my attention to things in my life that are really lovely. And then, as that gets stirred up in your heart, start offering the heartfelt thanksgiving. Gratitude will always accompany those experiences. And express that thanksgiving to God. Holy Spirit of God, show me what's gracious in my life. Where am I experiencing graciousness? And so on and so forth with each of those beautiful descriptive words in that litany of St. Paul. And uh, to, to allow that to grow into a prayer of avalanching gratitude, gratitude in the heart always accompanies lived experiences of God's love for us. And so, if you ask someone, "Hey, how is God loving you today?" they might be a little baffled. Like, yeah, you know, they well, you know, he's but they can get, come up with an answer, but it's not like from the heart. They, yeah, I can say these things that kind of sound right, but. I'm not really sure how God's loving me today. But if you ask someone, hey, where's your heart really moved with gratitude today? Not what you should be grateful for. That's something else and not usually so helpful. But really, where are you experiencing gratitude alive in your heart today or this week? People have very concrete answers. Oh, I'm really grateful for a friend who stopped by and, you know, very concrete, very specific. Well, that gratitude is a flag that's planted in the heart alongside a lived experience of God's love for them. So if Jesus, in John chapter 15, is inviting us to remain in his love, it means continuing to look back, to glance again and again in the heart at these tangible expressions of his love that fill our hearts with gratitude. And it's a wonderful way to pray.
0: Mm, Great. Thank you so much, Father Scott. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. You've been listening to The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer. To hear and or to download this episode along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation. I'm your host Chris McGregor. Join us next time for The School of Prayer: Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer.